0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Talks in Class. I am Jenna, your host, as always, for this conversation. I hope everybody had a wonderful week. I feel like I have just been kind of on a roll the past, I don't know, a couple weeks or so. Definitely in the last week, I feel like something just kind of switched, like something in the air (laughs) shifted. I'm feeling like all the summer excitement. I'm feeling motivated. I'm feeling ready to like get outside and do activities and just like be on the go. I, I went on like a cleaning and decorating spree over the weekend and kind of just tried to get moving on finalizing all of the details of like decorating the apartment and things like that that I was putting off since we moved to LA back in January because we were new we knew eventually we were gonna switch into a different apartment. So I like didn't bother. <laughs> so that's fun and you know it's almost July I'm going home to visit my mom in a couple weeks back in Wisconsin so I'll be back home in the time capsule bedroom where I'm sure I will uncover some new exciting things which I always do we have been kind of working on going through all of the stuff in storage over the past like couple of years my mom's lived in that house for over 30 years so it's like you know the boxes in the garage the boxes in the basement like going through all that stuff so I always unearth some treasures so I'm excited Uh, for that. So as always, I will start with my what good happened. This week, you know what, I had a really fun, but also productive weekend. You know, those kinds of days where you just kind of let the day go where it goes. Like you, you see what happens where the day takes you. And my friend and I had a day like that on Saturday, we met up in the afternoon, um, just to go to a couple stores, you know, spontaneously, which is always fun. And then we were hungry. So we decided to go get a little bite to eat. And then we decided to go across town to go see my friend's new apartment and kind of like wander around that area. And then another friend called and wanted to meet up for a drink. And it was like, you know, happy hour dinner time. So we went and met up with her. And it was just one of those leisurely fun days where, you know, you don't have an agenda, you don't have anywhere to be, and you just kind of let the day guide you as it will. I love those types of days. And then on Sunday, Hubs and I did like adult stuff like cleaning and went to the car wash and went to Lowe's, all that, you know, boring adult stuff. But I still had time to sit in bed and watch One Tree Hill for longer than I should honestly admit. And it was just the perfect blend of fun, but also productive adult stuff and relaxing that I find is just very rare in weekends in general. Before we jump into this week's topic, just a quick reminder that the pod is going to be on hiatus for the rest of the summer. The plan at this point is to be back in September. So this is our final episode for the rest of summer vacay or vacay from the podcast, I guess I should say. And for our final episode of season one, we'll call it, I wanted to talk about something especially near and dear to my heart a topic, a time period, a cultural phenomenon, if you will, that really impacted our entire generation. And of course, I'm talking about MTV's Jersey Shore. So before we can really talk about Jersey Shore and the impact that it had on pop culture and just young people everywhere, we need to set the scene. You know how I like to set the scene, but we need to understand what was going on at this time because it was kind of a unique time, especially for young people, I think. So Jersey Shore premiered December 2009. 2009 was just, it felt like a big transitional year, especially looking back on it now with the perspective that you know hindsight always brings. The economy was in the toilet after the financial crisis really hit us in 2008. And you know, culturally, like enough time had passed after 9-11 that we were starting to see that patriotism and that sort of unity fade. We had gotten to the point where pop culture was starting to poke fun at the post 9-11 patriotism in a lot of satirical ways in movies and TV shows. South Park and Jennifer's Body come to mind instantly, which Jennifer's Body is from 2009. And that kind of optimistic, sort of self centered, unified feeling in US pop culture, anyway, that had really carried us through most of the 2000s was kind of gone and it was shifting. Things were shifting. People were just feeling different. You know, even as a young adult, I was still in college and I wasn't necessarily dealing with the real world quite yet but I could feel this shift and aesthetically like in fashion and just visually we were leaving the flashy fun kind of carefree mcbling years and entering this like tacky just full-blown recession core time period that took us through most of the early 2010s. 2008 and 2009 especially were just these kind of big departures from the classic McBling fashion, which I always think of as as embodied by brands like Juicy Couture, Von Dutch, Abercrombie and Fitch, and then like designer labels on everything like Louis Vuitton comes to mind because so many celebrities had, you know, the Louis Vuitton monogrammed things and just bright colors like hot pink and bright blue and yellow orange. 2008 and 2009 took us into this like full 80s revival style but everything just looked super cheap and this should have been our first indication of full recession core happening. The color palette also turned really dark really quickly. Everything I owned in 2008 I feel like was jewel tone or black. It was like emerald green or dark purple or burgundy and just like a lot of dark heather gray with black. When I think of this shift from mick bling into kind of this 80s revival and then eventually this more recession core era, which includes the business casual in the club, which is kind of a a sign of uh, hard economic times, right? Like if you can double dip your wardrobe, you can save money. Anyway, when I think of this shift, I think of it as we kind of went from tacky luxury, like it was tacky, but it was luxurious. It was designer, even though it was really (laughs) tacky in the 2000s, just plain tacky in 2008, 2009, 2010. We kept all the rhinestones on everything, but we lost the fun colors. We lost the designer labels because, you know, everyone was broke. So we didn't want to see people running around in Louis Vuitton monogram anymore. And if there is one cultural artifact, and I say... (laughs) I say that without a hint of irony at all. It is a cultural artifact of our generation. If there's one cultural artifact that just embodied this time visually, aesthetically, but also in terms of just behavior and and kind of general attitudes, it is Jersey Shore. There are so many iconic things from Jersey Shore that are instantly recognizable now for anyone who watched the show. And honestly, probably a lot of people who weren't even viewers of the show, but just were like alive and somewhat young and not living under a rock between, you know, 2010 and 2012. We have the duck phone. We have words like GTL and grenades. We have Catchphrases like t shirt time and cabs are here, and you know, the snooky poof. We call it the snooky poof. We have quotes that people still say, like, run, stop. And even just fist pumping in general, I feel like became totally synonymous with this show and this group of people, and kind of by extension, this type of young person. I was in college when Jersey Shore premiered. I was in the end of my college career. So I was like the key target audience for this show. And when I tell you, this show consumed my entire sorority house from the moment we saw that first episode. I don't know who did the casting for this show, but oh my God, gold star, I mean, like 10 out of 10, 12 out of 10, how they managed to find this group of people, this group of characters, quite literally, and put them all on a TV show together that turned out as messy as it was is truly amazing. I mean, this is an act of reality TV miracle working unmatched until Lisa Vanderpump and Andy Cohen decided to make a spin-off. TV show about, you know, the sir waitress who was sleeping with one of Lisa's housewife's friend's husbands. If you have not rewatched Jersey Shore in a while, I'm giving you homework right now. You don't have to do a full rewatch. That would be a large homework assignment. But go back and watch that first episode. I can still picture it so clearly in my mind. It's amazing. It's really just like on the real world back in the day, how on the first episode, it would show them all arriving to the house and kind of meeting each other and exploring the house and like feeling each other out and kind of like giving their first impressions. And then it would also cut to clips of them by themselves kind of talking about themselves they're back in their their home environments their hometowns talking about where they're from what they do their relationship status and kind of giving you a glimpse of like who they are and what kind of drama they might be bringing to the show it's actually just like the real world actually it follows that exact same formula that the first episode of the real world always did but these people I mean it was clear from the first moment that they were such characters, you could really tell like what type of character they were going to be from like the first moment. I mean, Angelina's opening line is, I am the Kim Kardashian of Staten Island. And then we have Sam, she tells us how she's known around town as Sammy's sweetheart. Polly shows us the tanning bed he has in his house. You know, we meet Vinny's whole family, we understand that he's like, you know, that guy. I think it's Snooky on the first episode, she like gets lost on the way there. And she's like driving, like a maniac, Sam literally has printed out map quest directions to try to get to that shore house on the first episode. So that tells you how long ago 2009 truly was. And then of course, once they get to the house, they obviously start partying. And the guys, I think it's the very first episode, the guys bring home some girls to like take in the hot tub or whatever, and the girls get really mad. There's drama from the beginning, from episode one, not a moment was wasted. We were hooked right away. We were just absolutely... Captivated by these people and this experience that they were having together. Snooky with her pickles and Polly with his hair and Sam flat ironing her extensions and Jenny with those big fake boobs and all their nicknames. When they were casting the show, did they have a requirement that was like, if you don't have a ridiculous nickname, just don't bother applying J WOW Snooky? The situation? Who calls themselves The Situation? It was just so absolutely absurd, all of it, that you just couldn't help but watch. And if you think about it from like a cultural perspective of what was going on at the time, People were broke, they were freaked out, young people like me. We were hearing horror stories about the job market and the economy and seeing people get laid off. We were, you know, seeing people who were a little bit older than us graduate and not find a job and living kind of this stunted adult existence because they were graduating. And because they couldn't find a job, they were moving home with their parents. They were working part-time jobs. They were staying in school or just going to grad school to kind of delay getting a job. And we knew that we were about to graduate and also enter that kind of stunted adult existence, most likely. And then here were these people on this show who all lived at home with their parents, I think, and they were just going to let loose for the summer and have fun and party their faces off. I mean, this was like end of days style, extreme partying. Looking back on why it was so appealing to somebody who was my age, it was, A perfect distraction, obviously, from the dumpster fire around us to just watch people party and have fun and kind of be that carefree about (laughs) their lives. But it also, I think, was validating for those of us who kind of felt like we were or or at least about to be in the same position where we were young adults, but we weren't really grown up. We weren't really starting our careers or we weren't starting our careers on time, you know, air quotes on time. Our generation was really faced with a lot of things that made us uh, experience young adulthood very differently. And I think this show just hit our generation at the perfect time. Also, at this time, this is so weird, but there was this obsession with New Jersey in pop culture. My theory, which is a very, uh, you know, unsophisticated and not very well thought out theory, but my theory is The Sopranos ended in 2007, which obviously was all about a very New Jersey, you know, stereotypical New Jersey family. And it was a very loved show. I mean, it's still one of the best shows I've ever seen. I think just lesser quality pop culture tried to come in and pick up the slack or like fill that void and obviously capitalize and try to like ride the coattails of that show that was so loved being missing and being like, oh, you know, people loved this show about this stereotypical New Jersey story let's also do that, except for just like the trashy versions. And we got a bunch of reality shows, especially we got like Jerseylicious, which I think was about a hair salon. The Real Housewives of New Jersey, of course, which I think also started in 2009. And it was just this really weird, but very noticeable obsession with all things new jersey and just kind of like that region of the country in general which is funny because i ended up living in new jersey for 10 years of my life i just left new jersey but when this show came out i lived in texas i had never spent any significant time in new jersey so i was one of those people watching and being like (laughs) Is this what people in New Jersey are really like? You know, it's crazy that so much of the world probably thinks that for the record, on behalf of all my Jersey family out there, it's not true. But anyway, if we weren't already sold on all things Jersey before, When Jersey Shore hit at the end of 2009, I mean, we were all in. (laughs) I was digging through old Facebook posts, actually, a while ago, and I found a picture. It's like a Google image of a Jersey Turnpike road sign, and one of my sorority sisters had posted it and tagged all of us in it, and the caption said something like, AFI Spring Break 2010, like, we jokingly said that we were gonna go to the Jersey Shore for spring break. And as if my wardrobe wasn't bad enough, tacky enough, Jersey Shore really had us all running around looking absolutely insane. My friends and I literally used to wear bumpets to the bar in 2010. I have pictures of one of my friends putting a bumpet in my other friend's hair before we went out one night. We would wear them with these little color blocked dresses. <laughs> From Forever 21, they were like eleven dollars. I had it in every single color. I would wear it with a gladiator sandal or maybe a bodycon skirt, also from Forever 21, with some sort of rhinestone or sequined or studded tank top and some giant heels or like big wedges. Our clothes could not have been cheaper or tackier. I am not kidding. Like there's no possible way we could have looked cheaper, but we thought we looked amazing. And also because because I was a college student about to graduate at this time I was in my prime party phase I was towards the end of my college career I probably only had a couple real classes and also I knew I was going to grad school before I graduated college like that was my plan so I think that really added to the feeling of that sort of delayed adulthood I graduated in 2010 in December so end of 2010 and then I had a few months before grad school because I wasn't starting grad school until the following fall so I had all away from December until August the following year. So I moved home with my mom. And when I say that end of 2010, well, actually, 2010 in general, through 2011, when I left for grad school was probably the hardest I have ever partied in my entire life. Summer 2010 was especially just unhinged. This was the summer before I graduated college. So I had one semester left, but I would go home for the summers and I would live with my mom and I would work like a restaurant job. So I was home for that summer as usual. And my friends and I went out every single night. I'm truly amazed. Like, I don't know how we did it or how we survived quite honestly. The local hometown bars like around my hometown really had us covered with specials. There was Taco Tuesday where you could make your own tacos from this kind of like makeshift taco bar that was literally just ingredients set out on the bar top of this small town bar. And then there was Wing Wednesday where you could get chicken wings for really cheap and I'm sure there was some cheap drink special to accompany that. And then there was the special on Thursday, where I don't, I don't exactly remember what it was, but draft beer was super cheap, that was the thing. So we always went to this bar. And this was the specific bar where our entire friend group pretty much always hung out. And this was a group of maybe like 10, 15 people that- <laughs> much always together and we were always at this bar so the bartenders obviously knew us and we would all show up on Thursday night and the bartender would put Jersey Shore on the TVs around the bar so that we could watch it at the bar as we drank our you know cheap draft beer, whatever the special was. I actually feel like our behavior was a little too much like the Jersey Shore that summer also, except we were in, you know, a small town bar in rural Wisconsin instead of the Jersey Shore. But we acted like that bar was our own personal party house. The way Snooki and, and Dina would get hammered in the middle of the day and <laughs> dance all by themselves at the bar, that was us at these small town bars. We'd go put "Ride and Solo by Jason Derulo or Call- California Girls by Katy Perry on the little touch tunes jukebox and dance and order cherry bomb shots ton at a time. And then the few random people who were in the bar who weren't with our friend group were probably just like, what is wrong with these people? Like, why are these people acting like this? <laughs> Actually now that I think about it, this is probably exactly why it was usually just our friend group in the bar and not a whole lot of other people. We probably scared them all away between our general antics and also making everyone at the bar watch Jersey Shore with sound, by the way. We had the sound on the TV at the bar. So when you walked into that bar, you would hear Jersey Shore immediately playing all around you. So this was 2010, so that would have been season two when they go to Miami. That's what we were watching at the bar. I Googled it because I was curious and Season 2 premiered in July, which means that MTV released season 1 in December of 2009 and it ran until the end of January of. 2010. And then the second season was already on in July of 2010. So there was only like a six month gap. So no wonder when I think back at this time, it feels like we were always watching Jersey Shore. We pretty much were it was like always on TV. Season three premiered in January 2011. So this was right after I had graduated college and moved home. Season three is such a good season. By the way, there's so much Ron and Sam drama. I think that's the season it is the season where Sam and Jenny like hate each other. It's also Dina's first season. So that's the introduction to our favorite little meatball duo, Snooki and Dina, which is so fun. But anyway, I had moved home and I knew I was going to grad school the coming fall. So I had a part-time job and I would substitute teach, you know, which was very much on call. It was like when they needed me. So basically I was living like a college kid, except without the classes like without the school part and I lived with my mom so I didn't have to pay rent you know I went to my part-time job I was a receptionist at a salon I probably worked like I don't I don't even know like four shifts a week five maybe but they were it wasn't a full eight hour shift then I would substitute teach maybe like once or twice a week during the day and the rest of the time I don't know what I was doing I guess I was watching Jersey Shore at bars. (laughs) And I feel like a lot of my friends were in kind of similar situations, either just finishing school or we're still in school, but we're living home to save money. It was stuff like that. Like not quite full adulthood, because again, our generation just didn't really do that. Like a lot of generations before us. So we just went out all the time that winter 2011 we would go to the bars on thursday nights for wristband night which was where you could buy a wristband at the participating bars and it was i think it was still five dollars at this time and it would get you all you can drink beer and like bottom shelf liquor all you can drink beer and cheap liquor for five dollars i don't know whoever thought that that was a good idea but naturally we went every thursday night we had this one bar that we would go to but before we went out every thursday we would pre-game while watching jersey shore it was Jersey. it was our weekly ritual ritual was Jersey followed by the bar that season's probably the last one i really watched faithfully and consistently because once i started grad school, I didn't have time for sleeping, let alone for watching TV. Season four started in August 2011, which is when I started grad school. That was the season they went to Italy, which I remember bits and pieces of but not much. I definitely didn't watch it every single week the way that I did the Previous three seasons, but those first three seasons were so good—just endless entertainment. I have so many good memories of watching it, quoting it with my friends, making fun of it. But you know, we made fun of it, but we also kind of were emulating it a little bit. You know, like I did wear a, a bump it to a bar, on ironically, on many occasions. <laughs> I did own a lot of rhinestone Victoria's Secret pink yoga pants and sweatpants and a lot of pink leopard. I even have the leopard print big furry boot slippers that Snooky had, I, I still have them. And yes, when it's cold, I, I wear them. They're very comfortable. So although it feels almost impossible to really narrow down a list of the best anything from Jersey Shore, there are a few moments that really stand out in my mind. And some of these also just feel so cemented into millennial pop culture history. Like these are right up there with that's hot. And you know, is this chicken or is this fish that I have? And you know what you did, Heidi, (laughs) just iconic, memorable moments that we will have burned into our minds forever. So to wrap this up, I am going to share my top five favorite moments from Jersey Shore. Number five, this might be a deep cut. I don't know if this is just something that I think about a lot or if this is something that's on a lot of other people's radar when they think about Jersey Shore, but when Ron insults Sam's big toe (laughs) and she gets really offended. I think the way that this went down is that Sam and Ron were in a fight as usual because they were drunk and you know one of them called somebody a name and Ron called Sam like stumpy or something and she gets really mad and he said something about her Fred Flintstone big toe which is just the most random thing ever to pull out when you're in a fight with your girlfriend like a drunk fight with your girlfriend you're gonna talk about her big toe but instead of just being mildly offended by this Sam has a full meltdown and like tells him to never look at her in her face again and says she's never felt so disrespected and like loses it on him and then later when they try to like hash out this fight she tells him that the big toe is not a joke to her it's it's personal it's a personal problem that she's like really sensitive about and it is just one of those moments that you you can't write that you know what a random fight and it was so blown up number four Angelina's garbage bag luggage <laughs> if this was an indication number one that Angelina was gonna be an issue when she arrived to the house on day one she doesn't have. Luggage. She doesn't have bags, like actual bags for her stuff. She just has all of her crap in literal black garbage bags. Like, can you imagine you're going on a reality show? You're about to go live with a bunch of people that you don't know and be filmed for MTV, and you decide to pack your club clothes and your bumpets in black trash bags. Number three is Mike calling Angelina a dirty little hamster. This is part of a really blown up fight where essentially Mike was always mad at Angelina for being dirty in the house, not cleaning up after herself. There was something that happened that made him really mad. They kind of went back and forth, did a couple things to like pranked each other and get into a screaming match, obviously. And he calls her a dirty little hamster. And that has stuck in my mind ever since. What a great insult. Next time you're mad at somebody, dirty little hamster. Number two, so iconic, Snooki getting arrested while searching for the beach. I think this is probably one of the most referenced and most quoted parts of Jersey Jersey Shore, especially when it comes to Snooki. Her getting so drunk that she didn't know where the beach was while walking on the boardwalk next to the beach. I'm really curious, actually, I usually don't like to know the behind the scenes of reality shows because I just like to pretend like it's real or just ignore the fact that I know it's not. But I am actually really curious how much truth there was to this scene because it did seem so absurd. Like, I'm not sure how drunk I would have to be to be walking on a boardwalk next to the beach and not know where the beach was. And then she gets arrested, which, you know, not great for Snooks. And number one, my favorite moment from all of Jersey Shore and what I think of instantly whenever I think of Jersey Shore, the note, Jenny and Snooki writing the note to Sam, where they essentially were so sick of the drama between Ron and Sam. And instead of going to Sam directly to tell them the information that they knew about Ron and his infidelities. They decide to go to like an internet cafe, which again, sign of the times, an internet cafe where you pay to use a public computer and type an anonymous letter to Sam telling her that uh, Ron had been unfaithful. It was big drama and also just totally petty behavior. But you know what? That's why we watched the show for really silly, petty, dramatic, and kind of outlandish, crazy behavior. Like who would do this? This is something middle school girls would do. But we were watching this go down in Jersey Shore. And you know what? I ate it all up. I ate up every moment of it. I miss it. As much as I could talk about Jersey Shore all day, I think I need to wrap this up. You know, might go dig out a bump it and maybe a hot pink neon tank top and some leopard print bedazzled shorts and platform flip flops. <laughs> put it on just for old times sake. But I hope you all enjoyed this episode. What a fun conversation. If you do want to rewatch Jersey Shore, by the way, I'm pretty sure it's on Paramount Plus. I rewatched a few episodes, I don't know, a while back and it was on Paramount Plus. They actually have a lot of the old MTV stuff and old Nickelodeon stuff too is on there. So it's a good one to search around and see what kind of memories you can unlock by watching some old TV. If you did enjoy this episode, please share it with a friend who might also enjoy it. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss an episode when we come back after the little hiatus in the fall. Until then, I hope everybody has a fabulous rest of your summer. Enjoy it. Have fun. I'll see you next time. Bye.